Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are, how you care for us, how you love us, and how you live with us. Thank you. Almighty Father, thank you for your provision and forgiveness of sins through our Lord Jesus. And we claim that. We claim that work that you've done for our own lives. Lord, we pray for your spirit to have freedom, your spirit to move inside of us, in our hearts. Where our hearts are like stone, Lord, we pray that they would turn to flesh in your presence. And because of who you are and what you mean to us and what you have done for us. At this time, Lord, together, we want to lift up to you, Anna, who has had the surgery and is recovering. We ask for your mercy and your kindness, your blessing on her body. And while we're praying for her, Lord, we also include every single one of us that is, that is suffering, and is struggling with any physical ailments. Lord, inside us, around us, the relationships we have, any kind of issues that are present in our life today, we bring them and we lay them at your feet because you are our God. We honor you, we love you, and we ask you to bless this word. Bless your word, Lord, as you always said, it will never return void. May we be able to take it in. May you give us, enlarge our hearts to understand it and to apply it. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, good morning. Now, who all went to the um, working bee yesterday? Put your Let's give them a round of applause, okay? A lot, of, a lot of work going on there, and uh, who didn't go to the working bee? <laughs> well, we might have some other ones coming up, so there's always a chance that you might make the next one. Thought I'd put you all on the spot there for a minute. Look, uh, just turn on my... <clears throat> if you have a Bible this morning, and I know that um, a lot of us still bring our Bibles, and some of us have it on our phone. So let's turn to the book of Ephesians, because I'd like to look today in, in uh, the book of Ephesians, and we won't only be reading this scripture, but we'll, we'll be um, looking at a couple of the verses in a couple different chapters and a few different chapters. So when you open it and you get it on your phone or in your Bible, then leave it open so you can follow me if, if you would like to. So let's begin our reading this morning in Ephesians chapter 1. And if you don't mind, I'll just read off the board here. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. That, that's us. We're the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing 
in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us before, in him, before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him and in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace. By which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We are chosen. We are accepted. We are redeemed. We are heirs of God. We are sealed by God with his Holy Spirit. And we are empowered to live by God. Actually, the Bible says we are God's workmanship in Christ Jesus. God's workmanship. That's who we are. But Christians often feel the complete opposite. We feel shamed. We feel embarrassed. We feel unworthy, lackluster, disappointing. We feel regretful. And we feel sometimes just downright sad. People don't reach their potential because they don't believe in themselves. They don't see and they don't cultivate the possibilities that God has put in them. They do not believe that they will ever blossom into something wonderful. But this morning I want to say that we must value ourselves as God values us. We must live as someone valued by God. Worldly self-esteem is based on appearance, positions, and accomplishments. These are prideful, they're self-focused, and they don't add any value to your life. But the value that God has placed on you is the same value that you should place on yourself. So, the question that we're trying to answer right now is, how can we increase 
our Christ-centered self-image. Well, firstly, we need to know why are we valuable to God. And right away in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and everybody knows this one, you are valued because you are made in the image of God. It's an underlying principle of all Christianity that every single human being has value because of this. It, without going into too much debate about what it means to be in the image of God, I can tell you generally it means it includes both who we are or what, who man is, and it includes what man does. You see, in the, old, in the olden days when there were kings, what they used to do is create a statue of the king. And as that statue started taking shape, and it started to represent the image of the king, that signified to the people that the king was ruling. And it's like that with us, that we are like little statues of God, signifying that we represent Him. The same as those statues did in the past days of when the king was there. But... The problem is, is that our image or the statue of us was, was marred and scarred by sin. Now, the, what we read in Ephesians, it says also, this is amazing. You are valued because you were chosen before the foundation of the world. The thought of you came many, 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 many years ago. And who you are and what you were going to be. You were chosen before the foundation of the world. You know, it's very interesting because let's, let's look at um, or listen to this little thing C.S. Lewis said. I won't quote it exactly, Okay. But I'll tell you what he said. It's really a serious thing to think that the dullest, most uninteresting people that you know, if they were to be what they are going to be in today's world, you would be really tempted to worship them. What we are going to be is beyond our understanding. And you are valued because of what you cost. You are loved and chosen by God for adoption by Jesus to himself. Your adoption came at a very high price. The death of God's son. And you know when people adopt children... They don't just do it on a whim. They have a lot to go through. They, mostly it boils down to 
I am going to commit myself to that child or to that person, whoever you're adopting, till they grow up. In whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. You are valuable because of what you can become. As a person chosen by God and adopted into God's family, you can be sure that God has a plan for your life. I know most of us know that famous verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. But it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The children of Israel, when this word came to them, There was a lot of prophets that were telling them that they're going to escape out of Babylon. They're going to escape all the hardship. God's going to fix it all up for you. Jeremiah comes along and says, 70 years you're going to be here. Plant some gardens and build some houses and pray for the city. See, the false thing is, is we as Christians, when we have problems, we think God's like an insurance policy. God is not an insurance policy to escape from pain. A quick story about the, the pastor and his wife who went church planting in the, in the south of the United States. As soon as, as soon as they were getting ready to go plant the church, the wife had a miscarriage and the baby died. And then finally they get there and they start, they buy a house, they get a house, they go there the next day, and the whole house is empty because they came, the robbers came and stole everything, including literally the kitchen sink. Anything that had value was gone. Then, if that wasn't enough, the pastor was starting to think, wow, okay, I'm in a warfare here, I'm in a fight. His wife gets a very, very form, a very, very aggressive form of cancer. The doctors tell her, there's no, nothing we can do for you. Now the pastor turns around and says, Lord, now I don't know what to think. So they think, okay, because it's the United States where you have to pay for your own medical bills, they think... I'll check with my insurance company and the insurance company says, sorry, that was a pre-existing condition. We're not paying for her treatments. And then it dawned on him, that's how I thought God was. God was like that insurance policy that I was relying on. God is not an insurance policy against pain. He told him, 70 years you're going to stay here, the Israelites in Babylon. But... No matter what we're going through today, we can still apply this verse to us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares not us, declares the Lord. Ephesians 3, 16 to 20. Let's read this. 
that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of God of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all I love that word A-L-L all highlight that in your Bible the fullness of God now to him who is able to do oh this word is a big one exceedingly Look that word up when you get a chance. Abundantly. Above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. So what do we need to know? The value God has placed on you. Again, is the value you should place on yourself. You need to know that. Jesus Christ wants a permanent relationship. He wants to live and relate to you. That he may dwell in your hearts. Now, if you just took a moment and maybe looked up that word dwell, it means continuously. Permanently to take up a home. It means to reside, and I love this one, to settle in. Can you imagine Jesus Christ settles in permanently, continuously to reside in our hearts? You need to know that you can experience the extravagant love of Christ. As he pursues his relationship with you and with us, he wants you to experience the width, the length, the depth, and the height of his love. Has anybody been there yet? I, I can't get it yet. I struggle. I go, what does it mean? How big is it? Is it as big as the whole world? Is it bigger than the ocean? It's so big. Let us know, Lord, what that means. That's my prayer that we know. And that's why Paul praying this too. That you may know by experience, not just up here, but what you go through in every little thing that you do, you can have a full and fulfilled life. Paul said that you may be full of all the fullness of God. How much is that? How does that even happen? God is amazing. You just, we just have to look at the world and the earth and everything that He made in, our, in front of us and go, how can you take all that in and say that all of God can live inside me? Because of our relationship with Jesus. Jesus said himself in John 10, 10. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. 
And we need to know that God's power is not limited. And he can do a great work within you and with you. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. The love and the power that exceeds our imagination works in us because His Spirit strengthens us and Christ lives permanently in you. God never changes. His value for you never changes, even when we don't have value for ourselves. Ephesians 4, let's read this. What to do? What to do? Therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. What to do? Well, the first thing we need to do is discover our spiritual path and start moving. You need to be intentional about living a life that is worthy or that matches who you are by virtue of your relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to really be intentional about that. I don't mind if I have to tell myself 10 times a day, remember who you are. Remember who you are in Christ. Be very intentional about it. And then it says there to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. We need to be humble and disciplined. We need to... Adopt and adapt Jesus' attitude of humility. Put others before yourselves. And I love this one. Follow through with what you start. <coughs> My father, before he passed away, used to tell me, you know, the biggest problem I see with young people and in the world today and in America and North America, people start university and they go one and a half years and then they quit. Don't you quit. They become a Christian. It's a little hard, and then I'm going to quit. I'm not going to bother following through with what I told the band I was going to do. I'm going to come to band practice. Oh, it's too hard. I'm not going to follow through with that. You see, I can make a million excuses for myself, but that's not what the Bible teaches us. That is not Christian living. Commitment is very important. 
We need to experience community. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, serve one another and stay together. You know you will feel more valuable when you add value to the lives of others. Keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You need to use your unique gifts. We have only one God and Father, as it shows us there. Of all. But that doesn't mean that we're supposed to look. That doesn't mean we're supposed to act and think. It doesn't, supposed to, doesn't mean that we're all supposed to speak the same. God has made you unique. He's given you unique gifts to influence others and to add value to the lives of others. Every single one of us make this church work. There are things that people do that the next person doesn't do. The whole thing coming together is about our unique gifts. I feel like I need to change myself completely sometimes. And going by what the word says, I could surely do with a little bit of that counsel, couldn't I? You could do with some of the counsel. Don't be afraid. You know, I'm going to tell you one little experience that I had with the person. A lot of problems came upon in their life and they pointed back to the church. And they said, my church wasn't very present and they didn't help me much. But boy, was I ever committed to them. And I said, well, do you think that maybe you might want to change churches since you feel that way? And guess what the answer was? No, because then I would have to admit that I did something wrong and I made a poor choice. The hardest thing for people to say is, oops, I shouldn't have done that. I wish, I wish I didn't do that. I made a mistake. They say in, in family life, the best thing a child can hear is for a parent to say, sorry, I did something that I shouldn't have. This Christian could not make a change because they would have had to admit that they made a mistake. Don't let that get, don't let that tie you down if that's where you're at. Admit it, move on.
Last scripture here. Last thing to do, what to do. Keep growing. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. What to do? Grow up. Keep growing into God. God wants you to grow. Right away, let's quote it. That you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many epistles end with that? Continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. There is never a point, and I love, Gusti and I have a great relationship for many years, and a lot of times he says to me, you know, you're not the same person you used to be five years ago, but then five years ago, I used to think I've attained to where I should be. I think that I, wrote, I reached the top where I should be. It's mistake. Growing until it leads. Thinking that way actually led me to stagnation. Where I went, oh, okay, I'm here. It leads to stagnation. Until the day you die, you have the potential to keep growing. You have the potential of making a difference in this world and making a difference in the lives of others. It all starts by believing and living as someone valued by God. You matter. You have value. I'll say that again. You matter. You have value. You are chosen. You are accepted. You are redeemed. You are an heir of Christ. You are sealed forever with the promised Holy Spirit. You have value. Let's start living like it today and never, never, never stop. Let's pray. Father, you're an amazing God. We love your word. We love how you talk to us. We love how you, you care so much for us. We give you glory. We praise you and thank you that you have reached down from your glorious throne to us lowly beings on earth. And you have made us in your image. You have given us 
the right to say that we represent you in this world that we can add value to others. Jesus Christ, you are our husband. You are our carer. You are the God of gods. You are the one and only Lord who has purchased us with your blood. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins. Heal our land and hear our prayer. Protect us. And as we sang this morning, Lord, you fight our battles for us. Any problems, Lord, any problems that come up in our minds, any temptation from the evil one, we commit to you. Say, help us, empower us to live like children of God. As we read here this morning that we are, the fact is, we are adopted into your family as sons and daughters. Lord, we are yours. You have called us and you call us by name. You have counted every hair on our head. You know when even one falls out. Trust, we trust you. Help us to trust you. We trust you with all our heart. And continue to lead us, Father, as we go about our business. Change our idea of value of ourselves. We are Christ-centered in your eyes. And plant that in us, Lord. That we can be different people. To live the life, Lord, that you promised. Life of fullness of you. And that you have come to give us life and life more abundantly. Cause your joy to spring up in us. In the midst of trouble, cause us not to be sad, but to trust you. For you know the plans you have for us, Lord. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope. And plans for the future. So we glory in this, Father. We give you praise. We give you honor. And we give you thanks forevermore. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being such an amazing, loving, kind Father. I would love you. Bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.